Hi everyone, welcome to The Green Room episode 14. I am here with my colleague Nick. Nick, how are you? I'm very good. James, Have you had a good week? Yes. Excellent. Not too bad, not too bad. I can see you're donning the pink shirt today. I am donning the pink shirt. I've taken a leaf uh, out of your book. Thank you, thank you. Uh, it's probably two weeks in succession now that uh, I haven't donned my pink shirt collection, but that's mm-hmm. fine, that's fine. I'll leave it to someone else. Are you looking forward to Easter? Yes, well actually when this uh, recording comes out, we would have had Easter already, so... Uh, did you yeah. have a good Easter? <laughs> yes. Good. Did you get lots of Easter eggs? Yes. Excellent. I've got some up, upstairs on my desk as well. So thank you very much for that. Good. Really appreciate no it. No problem at all. No problem. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, and we uh, we have Harry mic'd up as well. Hello. Eventually, we will actually get her on video. But anyway, at the moment. I don't mind the mystery. I don't mind being mysterious. Um, People are liking that. You know, we're getting comments saying, oh, you know, who's Harry? So, uh, so the, the podcast is um, it's uh, gaining a bit of traction. So, um, so we're getting some nice comments, which is great. Uh, where before we start, yep. where where can you find out about us, guys? So, what I always do when I'm lost with these things, I go onto the Green Age website. That's www.thegreenage.co.uk. Yep. On the top, next to Energy Saving Guides, there's yep. a link to to video blogs. I click on that, it opens up another page, James. Then it gives me options of where I can download a podcast. Uh, One option is Apple iTunes. Yeah. Uh, Spotify. It's Apple Podcasts, in fact. Apple Podcast. Apple Podcast. Um, see, because I don't use Apple I products. Mean, yeah. I am very ignorant about those things. Uh, Spotify. Uh, Tune Radio. Tune In Radio. Tune In Radio. Sorry, I've said it wrong two weeks in a row. I'll get it right third time. And Stitcher, I think. Yeah. And then obviously YouTube if you want to. Um, if you want to look at us. Yes. If you want to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm for YouTube. We're interacting with our viewers. Um, so what are we covering today? RHI, the Renewable Heat Incentive, just because we've had tons of questions on this and Harry probably spends a lot of her time during the week um, backwards and forwards between people that are just kind of interested, have got their <coughs> questions and answers. And so I thought, you know, well, we all thought together, um, why, why don't we just cover it and uh, okay. demystify some of the mysteries uh. around another kind of key government policy. Okay, know? okay, fine. So do you want to give us a touch of background on the Renewable Heat Incentive? So Renewable Heat Incentive um, was, well, the, the the legislation came out at some point back in 2011. So yeah. lots of people were... So this is when the Green Deal was launched. Yeah, was, and lots of other things, like feeling tariff, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. the year before that. So they, they, um, they were talking about the Renewable Heat Incentive. Mm-hmm. The essence of it being... That um, you know, if I'm producing um, space heating or or water through a low carbon or or a carbon neutral or a renewable source, yeah. then I should get some sort of incentive to do so. To, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they thought of this policy back in 2011. It was only 2014 um, when this policy actually got delivered. Uh, and, and, and there was a lot of frustrated people by that <coughs> because obviously you know the back of the announcement, as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Folks would have gone out there and you know had all sorts of things yeah. installed, but then it was another three and a bit years before they could see any benefits. Okay, and it, and it's mainly because the cost of installing the items that we're going to discuss is yeah. considerably more expensive than a standard. You know, I can go to B and Q and buy a radiator and plug into the wall for twenty five quid. Yeah, well, let's give the comparison. So, for instance, if you you are looking to get I don't know a valiant um, heat only boiler, yeah, what it's going to cost you. Two, two and a half thousand pounds. Yeah. 
Um, and and that and that's it pretty much unless you're doing other bits and pieces on the mm -hmm. radiators and and uh, thermostatic controls etc. But say when you get to biomass, yeah, you can get really simple biomass boilers to really complicated ones. Yeah. So you're talking there at least seven and a half thousand pounds upwards. Yes. To fifteen twenty thousand yeah, pounds. Yeah. And then on the heat pumps themselves, uh, before you've decided how the heat is going to be distributed, because it's through um, lower heat. Uh, distribution rather than through classic radiators you might want underfloor heating all that stuff yeah you're talking tens of thousands of pounds yeah and then the other two uh what other technologies can i get so grand source air source biomass and solar thermal just for your hot water okay so solar so, thermal with the tubes so solar thermal it's not to be confused with solar pv so solar thermal is producing hot water biomass is essentially replacing your boiler but instead of using gas to power it you're using little biomass chips yeah so this is considered renewable Heat pumps, um, air source, ground source, and water source. So we get lots of questions on water source. The government don't really cover it that well. Water source, you can get the, rene the, renewable, the renewable heat, heat incentive. So we call it RHI. Let's call it the RHI like that. Um, so the you can get it with a water source heat pump. However, um, you just basically all the regulation, all the requirements copy or they mirror the ground source heat pump. So as soon as you, if you've got a river at the end of your garden, for whatever. so it's practicalities of installation. That's the difference between the two. That's how the government see it. So. Yeah, exactly. So right, we're going to make a start. First of all, let's go through the technologies very briefly, mm -hmm. um, and just do a couple. After test you, a couple of reasons why you would, and reasons why you wouldn't install these technologies. Right. Okay. And then we can see if we can come up with a few. Yes. So let's start. So biomass boiler. So biomass, as you've rightfully said, so if it's essentially the difference there is like your gas boiler or your LPG or your oil boiler, instead of using a fuel, the fuel happens to be recycled wood chippings that are in the form of pellets yeah. that would then get delivered to your property in big mass. And then what you would do is you would take, feed take them. them, feed them into your biomass yeah. boiler and then you know that would combust, produce lots of hot water, some of that would be diverted through your central heating system and the rest of it stored in buffer tanks for hot water usage for, for showers, etc. So it's like, it's like a classical system, but the fuel source is different. Okay, what are the advantages of it? Advantages of it are, for instance, if you are um, particularly large property somewhere yeah. out in the in, so sticks, but very rural property yeah. where you've got lots of access mm -hmm. and you've got, say, maybe a, lot, a few outbuildings as well to heat. Yeah. So, for instance, I don't know, um, chicken farm or something like that. Yeah. I'm not necessarily saying that all people have biomass boys have a chicken farm, but um, <laughs> kind of a complex set of um, buildings or just really large rural buildings where you can have the access, yeah. obviously, then to store the wood chippings, etc., to it's have the easy. physical size to, to feed mm -hmm. and install the biomass boiler. Um, then it would make a, a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, and but also, you know, where the fuel source would be relatively cost effective, so it's easy for you to uh, deliver it when you need it. Essentially. Yeah. I think, and that's and that basically. So while that is a pro, the the downside to a biomass boiler is the fact, you know, with gas it comes through a pipe into my house and it goes straight into the boiler. I don't ever see it. With biomass, I'm having these pellets delivered, and I have to feed them. If I don't feed them into my boiler, I know you can get hoppers and so it can, you know, the hoppers can potentially keep your boiler going for an extended period of time. But when that hopper runs out, I need to refill it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so if you're going away for a couple of months, you've got to refill it. You've got to yeah. empty the boiler of all the ash from the biomass, etc., etc. And you need space to store it. 
Yes. Right. So it's not really feasible, as kind of you were alluding to. Yes. It's not really feasible to put one of these into a flat, for example. Yeah. So in the cities, you will never ever, ever get away with it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So so that's kind of biomass. I was just going to say, so um, um, we were on the BBC actually a couple of years ago, and, and they thought you know we, we'd be very oh, positive. Yeah, so we were on. Um, <laughs> we were on the uh, so on the BBC Radio Hereford and, Wor- um, uh, and Worcester, and yeah, this was a couple of years ago. And we were just we were talking on the about show, um, yeah. just because you don't remember. We were on the um, and then yeah, so uh, maybe Harry can link this interview back onto the podcast when it's when it's live. But yeah, essentially, just going through what you've just said sort of pros and cons but I sort of summarised it that actually it would only be certain instances where it works yeah it works and so I think the if someone approaches you and says your house is perfect for a biomass take it with a large pinch of salt because they will normally there is a reason for them doing that they are potentially either going to get they're going to take your renewable heat incentives your RHR payments or there may be something more to it Mm. The, the other thing about uh, biomass is that obviously it's got a lot of emissions associated with it. Well, yeah, um, yeah. It's only so it's the reason it's renewable, I guess, is because it's locking the carbon in during plant growth, and then it releases so it's carbon it neutral. Back out. Isn't it? yeah. So it's not really, yeah. Um, but it depends where they're being grown. These wood chips, and it depends if they're cutting mm. down swathes of forest to replace them with quick-growing trees and crops. Exactly. Um, okay, so solar thermal. Solar thermal. Uh, we've done a, a we podcast earlier. We've done yeah, a solar yeah. thermal versus solar PV. So it's it's one specifically where it produces hot water, so no electricity on this one. And um, yeah, it's 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 useful where you know you've got a large roof space. You might potentially have solar PV there as well. Yeah. So if you're getting these technologies installed, you might want to do them in tandem. Or you might want to do them when you're doing a piece of work on, on say, on your roof space. Yeah. Or generally onto your heating because it's not just easy to, to retrofit your existing heating system with solar yeah. thermal. You're going to have to do other bits and pieces. I think, I think that, and that is the downside of solar thermal. Yeah, so if it's never going to be able to do everything. It's not going to be able to fulfill all of your hot water requirements for your heating, for your, you know, for your basically hot water. So, and it's only really working when the weather is sufficient to get the temperature to a certain, to get the water to a certain temperature. So right so now, right now it's, it's perfect because we're getting... Yeah, well, light. it's starting now and yeah. it kind of ends in September, October. The problem is the colder months when actually you need heating mm. and you tend to use more water, mm. it's not really doing anything. So you're always going to have to couple it with, as you mentioned, a sort of another heating system, which means if you want to get it, you know, if you want it to feed into a hot water tank, for example, you need a hot water tank that will take two... Um, heating sources. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's various complexities associated so, with so, so I suppose that the advantage there over biomass, just as a kind of universal technology, is you're not limited to being rural, so you can have solar thermal installed in, in, in urban areas, but you just need to make sure that there's no shading or big trees that are going to, you know. Yeah, exactly. Popular. Exactly. And I think you'd only you'd consider it if you're going to be replacing your either your hot water tank specifically or your heating system at the same time. So if you're going to put a new, brand new, you know, shiny heating system in your house, you might do solar thermal at the same time. Because yeah. those hot water tanks, they, they've got multiple chambers, haven't they? So Well, they've got dual feet, so you need lots of holes essentially going yeah. into it where the hot water can be forced in. Um, so anyway, so that's solar thermal. Um, heat pumps. I, I'd like you to explain air source heat pumps because I know that's your favourite technology. So, so air source that. heat pumps. With take, qualification. 
Um, so heat pumps are um, they're becoming really popular, and I think uh, it's, it's government are trying to push policy through where they're going to look to ban boilers, gas boilers. Was it twenty twenty five, something like that, for new builds? Twenty twenty five, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so if, if they're going to do that, then obviously heat pumps are going to become very popular or more popular than they are. Now what they're doing is they're taking heat from the air, mm-hmm. um, and there is always heat. So that's air source, yeah? So yeah, taking so we're so doing air source yeah. specifically. So taking latent heat, and what they're doing is they compress it right down, and that drives the temperature right up. And then they basically take that heat from the compressed air into the water, um, and then that is pumped around your house. So an inverted refrigerator, essentially. Exactly, exactly. So, But it's a bit weird, that inverted refrigerator. Everyone talks about it, but you never really notice because you don't notice that your fridge, on the outside, your fridge is getting warmer. Yes. You just notice yes. that inside your fridge is getting it's always cooler. turned, you know, it's, it's either if you've got a fitted kitchen, you never see yeah. the back of it, or exactly. how often do you move the fridge? Exactly, but, but if you had an enclosed heat pump, yeah, yeah that heat pump room would get cooler and cooler and cooler. Yeah, because it's stripping more and more heat from the air. Whereas, and that would then push the heat into the house. The issue is that when the air is cooler and they are trying to take heat from cooler air, the heat pump needs to work harder. It uses more energy to drive the temperature up to where it was. So we use heating, say, six months of the year. And when it's cold. Yes. Yeah, so during the winter months, your efficiency of that heat pump, because heat pumps, the reason they're so popular is because in theory, they, you know, they basically take one unit of electricity and change it to three or four units of useful heat. And during the summer, 100%, that rings true with air source heat pumps. You know, it could be even higher than that. Mm-hmm. The problem is during the winter, when they're trying to take it, you know, if it's bloody freezing outside, yeah. and you're trying to get heat from that, the heat pump needs to work really hard, i.e. use lots of electricity to drive that temperature up. The other issue, and well, it's not really an issue, but you're, the, the hot water that tends to come out of a heat pump yeah, so if your radiator is your heating system, tends to be at a lower temperature. If you want to take it to a higher temperature, you can, but you need to use more electricity to get it there, mm-hmm. right? So you tend to set it at a reasonable level where the, the temperature in your heating system is lower than compared to a traditional heating system, like a gas heating system. Mm-hmm. And so what that means is you need bigger radiators to compensate. Yeah. Or, as you mentioned earlier, something like underfloor heating. Which you'd probably, you wouldn't do to the rest of your house, just from practicality purposes, you'd probably do to the area that you spend most of your time downstairs, which would be your dining yeah. kitchen. And, and I, think, I think a lot of people see these numbers, and I think a lot of installers and a lot of manufacturers will band around figures on air source heat pumps saying, you know, they, and they use, there's two ones, really. they use coefficient performance and the seasonal performance factor, mm-hmm. SPF. Mm-hmm. Right, the coefficient performance is at any one moment in time how efficient your heat pump is. Mm-hmm. Right, so when so during the summer it might be four point five. Right, so what that's basically saying is it's taking one unit of electricity and it produces four and a half units of useful heat. During the winter that drops, this coefficient performance drops. So it might be like one point five or two. Mm-hmm. So one unit of electricity is producing yes. two units of useful yeah. heat. That makes it very, very expensive to run the heat pump in the winter. But the government, sorry, not the government, these, the manufacturers will blend this rate into a seasonal performance factor. So they will give you an overall figure, mm-hmm. yeah, which is, say, 2.5 or 2.7 for mm-hmm. an air source heat pump. Mm-hmm. But when you actually use the heat pump most of the time to produce the I whole I think the water, COP is the average of the SPF, basically. SPF is, at each because it's seasonal, 
performance. I thought factor. seasonal performance factor was their overall one. And then the coefficient of performance. No, 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 way around. Is fine. Is the blended one okay? okay. Mm-hmm. I think yeah we can, fine. We can anyway uh, we can check that one but but what it means is that over the course of a year with an air source heat pump the efficiency changes massively. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is my issue with the heat pump because in the winter when you need the electricity or sorry when you need the hot water it requires more electricity to produce what are the other issues with air source heat pumps space noise Um, we get loads of comments on noise from neighbours from neighbours you know so you're getting this this thing installed on the outside of your house and they make noise because they have a compressor they are but they are it's, it's not like a you know how do I say it's not like a Tractor turbine or... No, 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 exactly. It's, it's not like an air it, siren or something like that. I mean, it's not loud. I've, I've stood next to, I mean, I've stood next to one and I can barely notice it, but then some people... But I think I think one of the issues is the firing up noise. So mm. if you're like used to complete silence and then suddenly it fires up, you've got that complete silence to noise and then it'll turn off two minutes later and then it'll come back on and turn off. You know what I mean? Mm. And so it's those kind of changes in noise. Yeah. Rather than if it just sat at noise, you get used to it. The thing is, I've got planes coming over my house and police sirens most of the time. (laughs) Quite an urban area, you know, or ambulances and stuff like that. So I guess, yeah, if you're not used to it, you're going to find that a bit weird. So that's that's an air source heat pump. Ground source heat pump or water source heat pump. So we'll do ground source heat pumps. They they work a lot better because as soon as you go under the ground, and they work on the same principle, that you're taking heat from the ground rather than the air. As soon as you go a little depth down into the ground, the temperature is very stable. So even in the middle of winter, mm-hmm. if you're two meters down, the temperature is pretty much consistent. Mm-hmm. Even you know middle of the summer, middle of the winter, it doesn't yes. matter. So therefore, the the coefficient performance, season performance factor, is relatively level during the year. There might be minor yeah. sort of changes, yeah. but it means that you know your one unit of electricity is producing the four units of useful. And normally it's quite a big undertaking because I've, I've seen these things being installed and you've, there's a lot of preparation work uh, for, the for, the, for, for the ball holding. Yeah, so, so you can do it. So it can either go vertically and you're looking. So we uh, worked with a company recently and they, they put one in. They would put two boreholes in 123 metres deep. Right, so it's quite a lot. So basically, the whole water—sorry, the water gets pumped down 123 meters, goes in a little loop, it comes back up, and during that time, it's kind of absorbing warmth from the ground, mm-hmm. and then it comes up marginally hotter, and then they compress that and get yeah. heat. That's very deep. It's yes. not something you're going to be able to do in London potentially because you're just no, going to no, tube be... line or something. Yeah, exactly. Um, so or one of or one of the World War Two kind of dungeons or exactly. you know, so secret kind of. But you can you can if you're sort of in farmland and whatever you can take you can get a ground source heat pump and you can put it horizontally in the ground so you can just dig a trench. And I think it actually area. potentially works very well for multiple dwellings on new developments. Yes. Yeah, yeah. When you're in a new town, for example, it's it's not a bad idea. They're expensive because of the. The kind of either the drilling down, yeah, or the area of land to lay the pipe down. Mm-hmm. Um, however, because they're more expensive, what the government has done is they've structured the RHI in such a way that you get a higher payment for a yes. ground source heat pump over an to compensate you to compensate for the, for the additional cost. outlay. Okay. Um, water source heat pump, same kind of thing. You're taking heat from latent water. There is always heat in water unless it's. You know, two seven miles, two seven three or something, absolute zero. 
Elizabeth, I think. Yeah. Um, and so it works exactly the same principle. Mm -hmm. uh, and you're getting, again, you're getting the same kind of, well, you're getting the same RHI for a water source heat pump as you would for a ground source heat pump. Okay. So that's so they're, they're the technologies. Tests. Right. Do you want to talk about the formats of the RHI? Okay. So, so basically, so it came in, came in in 2014. Yeah. And then from, from there, the policy was, so if you had, um, actually, I need to correct myself. So actually, if you had a technology installed uh, from 2009, then... You can still claim it. They could back work it. Back, back worked it. Mm -hmm. And essentially, it's um, when you've had that approved and stamped, uh, you would essentially get quarterly payments from your electricity supplier. Mm -hmm back into your account for a period of seven years. Yeah. Because um, obviously with, with the noise that after seven years that that will go towards uh, some of the upfront costs that you've had to um, incur. Yeah. And and what, what they've done since, since obviously introduction 2014, they've digressed it slightly. So I know on biomass that went down significantly, but yeah. I, I think on the air source. They've stayed pretty consistent to yeah. the rates. Um, they've gone up actually with because of um, well, yeah. Ground source has gone up because of the take take up has been low because of the yes. obviously the cost. So trying to encourage it. I think the so first things first. If you I think talking about people who already have the RHI, I don't think we need to worry about it too much. But basically, it's all based on your EPC. So we've got an EPC here. I've got loads of paper today. Right, EPC very well here. Like Thanks it. very much. Um, now on page, and the EPCs all look the same. So on page two of the EPC, you have a little section called your home's heat demand, right? And this is what your, for heat pumps and for biomass, yeah. this is the numbers they use to calculate it. So before I do anything, yeah, before I install anything, I, can, I know what my payments are gonna be for the next seven years, mm -hmm. right? Which is quite a nice way to do it. So yeah. you can actually suddenly work out exactly how much you're gonna be how much you're going to get paid, how much it's going to cost as an initial outlay, if it's worth it. So in terms of the things that might go against you claiming straight away, so, so loft, it's worth the point out, loft and cavity wall insulation. So you have to have an EPC that is done within the last two years, right? If your EPC comes back and suggests, because they have loads of recommendations, yeah, if your EPC suggests either loft insulation or cavity wall insulation, you get those done first, and then get a new EPC, and as soon as they disappear off the EPC, I'm ready then to start my RHI mission. So if you've got a solid brick house, then even if you have solid wall insulation come up as a recommendation. You don't have to do it. Because it's a fairly exactly. expensive measure. Exactly, and, and previously, you know, to 2017, we'll touch on this in a sec, a lot of people, there was no limit on the payments, essentially. I either hire the heat demand on the EPC, yeah, was the higher your payment. So I could have a detached house, seven bedrooms in the countryside, solid brick. And you huge could payments. comfortably get paid 50 grand, 60 yeah. grand over seven years. So, you know, and so the payments were ridiculous um, for these kind of technologies. What's happened is in 2017, the government basically bought in maximum um, payments mm -hmm. they would give you. Mm -hmm. So they limited the, the home's heat demand. So even if your heat demand on your home was like 40, 50,000 kilowatt hours, the government said, right, these are the numbers. This is the maximum we will pay you for a particular technology. That right? makes sense. So should we go through? Should we yeah, go yeah, one yeah. by one? Well, it's, if you, yeah, so you, you're going to go over the, what, what the cap rates are, yeah? Okay, first. so 
basically what we're going to do so start with biomass mm -hmm. yeah so the rate for biomass is what You've got it I've got it here, no problem, no problem whatsoever. It is, <laughs> yeah, it is 6.74 pence per kilowatt hour. 6.74 pence. Yes. Okay, so what we do there, right, is we go into my EPC, right, so I'll take my EPC, sorry if you're listening because you're going to hear me wobbling bits of paper around. I then look at the heat demand on my EPC, right, and provided my my biomass boiler is doing both my space heating, i.e. my radiators, and my hot water. Yes. I add the two numbers together under existing dwelling. Yes. Add those two numbers together. Yes. So on a house, the house I've got here, we're looking at about 15,000 kilowatt hours okay. per year. Right? If I times that 15,000 kilowatt hours, yeah, by the number you just told me, which was what? Uh, 6.74 pence. So 6.74 I get £1,000 a year, yeah, £1,011 a year, times seven, you're looking at £7,000, right? So for my biomass boiler in that size property, mm -hmm. I'm going to get £7,000 payment over seven years, I'm literally taking £1,000 a year. So it, so it will make a dent, since a significant chunk of the install cost, but it won't. Yes, it's not going to cover the whole lot, yeah. yeah? Now, if the heat demand of that property is bigger, that's great. What the government has said is that there is now maximums. So on a biomass boiler, if you're thinking of getting a biomass boiler, the government will max it out that your heat demand is 25,000. And what, what can they potentially receive there? So, so if your house did have a heat demand of 25,000 kilowatt hours, so basically I've looked at my EPC and I've added the two numbers together, yeah. the space heating and the water heating, it comes to 28,000. The government is saying, sorry okay. pal, can't do yep. that. Come the 25. maximum you're allowed for biomass is 25,000. So you take your 25,000, 25,000 times 0 0.0674, 1685 per year, 1,685 pounds per year, right? Okay. Times seven, 11,795 pounds, right? For so that particular technology. Not bad. Which basically covers it. Yeah. Yeah, that covers the cost of your biomass boiler. It depends, obviously, how big the house is, what size you need. But it's got you a lot, lot closer. Now, <coughs> bigger houses are going to need bigger heat pump, uh, sorry, bigger biomass boilers. So, unfortunately, if you've got a really big house now, previous to 2017, it wasn't an issue because mm -hmm. it wasn't limited. But if you've got a really big house, it might be that actually this doesn't work financially Yeah. because the biomass boiler you need is so much bigger. You're still going to have the, um, the uh, savings <coughs> from, um, you know, your, your bills. In terms of what? In terms of the fact that you're using biomass pellets? Yeah. yeah. It depends what fuel they were. It depends on the cost of the biomass pellets. True. I'll, I'll give you that. If the, yes, if the cost of yeah. the pellets were stable, but then the oil price went up. So if you're using an oil, oil boiler, then yeah. that, that might be a consideration or, or if... In relation to electricity, electricity. Can one of you have a quick look at the price per kilowatt hour of biomass pellets? So then we can we can see. Get Harry to do it. So then. And, and in the meantime, right? So that's biomass. Yep. Kind of happy. Yes. So on a the maximum I'm ever going to get is just shy of twelve thousand pounds. Remember that's paid over seven years. It's not paid all to you up front. It's paid every quarter. You get basically. <coughs> sorry, you're going to get about two hundred and fifty quid. Mm -hmm. Nice to have. But you need to find the money up front. So that's the issue with it. 
Sorry. And that's with and that's with all the technology. <coughs> I'm talking a lot today. So <coughs> you've got the figures here nicely for the for the heat pump. So um, the the difference then, <coughs> if you were to, to calculate these figures for the air source and the ground source, it works on what you were saying, the um, adjusted SPF, so the season performance factor. And essentially, what it is is just a fraction. So they take. So the manufacturer, yeah. say if it's a Ecodan Mitsubishi, no, not Ecodan Mitsubishi, um, I think it's Ecodan Mitsubishi, but you know, like a <coughs> Dimplex or a Ecodan or whatever. <coughs> so the the manufacturer would then give you the calculated coefficient of performance. The MTS installer will give you that number, right? So they, they will give you this SPF thing. Right. And then, which is basically the efficiency of your particular heat pump. So that that fraction will go into the um, the tariff rate and whatever your heat demand is for the property, and yeah. that would work out a, a figure of what you would be expected to, to the, get paid. The heat pumps are marginally different because they require electricity to run. Yes. Yeah. So what? So the calculation is a bit different, but basically what it's saying is right. If my heat demand is twenty five thousand kilowatt hours. Mm -hmm. It will then work out the renewable part of that. Yes. Right. So it will remove the part of just the electricity running the machine, and it will pay you based on that. So if if I had a significantly large property, so yeah. say my um, heat demand was over twenty five thousand, the government have said what you've rightfully said that no, unfortunately we're capping the air source heat pump to twenty thousand kilowatt hours. Yeah. So based on twenty thousand kilowatt hours, um, and we've taken an example of a. Uh, an MCS certificate and what the yeah. SPF was of 2.7, mm -hmm. you're expected over the seven years to get uh, a total payment of £9,252. Okay, so you're looking about what's that? 9,552 9, 9, 9, 9, 9, 9, 9, 9, 9, divided by seven, you're looking at about 1300 per year. Divided by four, you're looking at about £330 every quarter, which is it's not bad, and then if we move on to the ground source, because obviously ground source is a more expensive more, measure. But more expensive, but more efficient. Yeah. So so what they've said, but also to incentivize it, um, they the government has said, well actually we're gonna get, we're gonna cap this at thirty thousand, so ten thousand kilowatt hours more than air source heat pump. Mm -hmm. So uh, if if your uh, heating demand is thirty thousand or more, capping at thirty thousand, yeah. you're expected to get a total amount of payments and we've taken again an example of a MCS certificate which gave uh, this particular heat pump 3.7 SPF or mm -hmm. COP. The maximum amount you would ever get expected to pay is £31,365. Which works out at £4,500 a year, which is about £1,120 a quarter. So actually, ground source, you know, if you have um, a, a house and you can put in boreholes, you know the boreholes might cost might take the cost of the heat pump yeah. up to a, you know eleven well could cost twenty thousand pounds to put in the ground Just source heat pump with yeah. boreholes. If you're looking at sort of ten thousand, eleven thousand pound boreholes, the ground source heat pump might cost twenty k, but you're getting substantially more than that mm -hmm. from the government. So that is how heat pumps work. So heat pumps is a bit more complicated because we have to remove the the element of how it it requires electricity to run. Right, so it's not all renewable. And just important to say, um, these maximum were payments again were based on the we, we took an arbitrary figure. For, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. For, so for, yours for the are going to vary slightly, but we can basically calculate, and we've got blogs on this and stuff on the website that will show you how exactly to calculate 
what you're going to make, and we are going to improve that section of the website as well. And we're going to do it for each individual tech. Right, S so solar thermal. Oh, I'm saying solar thermal. Go on. Yep. No, 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 that's fine, that's fine. I thought we'd right. we'd solar thermal's a bit different. Um, so what they are doing, <clears throat> so when you get an MCS, because everything, to get a renewable heat incentive, you need to install an MCS-approved um, renewable heat uh, technology. Micro-generation certification scheme. Yeah, so <laughs> your installer needs to be certified with that and the technology itself needs to be certified with that. They will give you a certificate and that will have an estimated annual generation figure on it. Um, and so that is just simply time, times by the tariff. Yeah, so on a tariff solar is thermal, it's about 20.66 pence. So on a solar thermal, kilowatt hour um, you you might get hot water. What, here we've got 400 quid a year yeah. on an average system. Yeah. Maybe so a bit 400 less. times seven, it's not massive numbers, no. 2,800. And, and just bear in mind that for, as you earlier said, to to get a system working to, to be able to accept the feed from a solar thermal system, you need the right plumbing system in yeah. place, the right hot water tank with multiple And it's unlikely feeds. that this is going to cover the cost. Yeah, and you need the installer to get up onto the roof and somehow install the yeah. panels in the first place. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, it's quite a bit of upfront cost there. Um, are we are we going to mention or is it a bit naughty on how you maximise your payments? Um, probably a bit naughty, isn't it? Just do it anyway. Go on. Well, okay, fine. So, so if I'm if I'm considering getting the uh, renewable heat incentive, yeah, and I want to get it for a heat pump or I want to get it for biomass or whatever, yeah, ideally, and this is a bit naughty, but ideally, the heat demand on my EPC is as big as possible. It will obviously be capped to what these government have capped it at. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you want it as close as possible to that cap. Yes. Yeah. So it says obviously that I need to do external wall uh, Sorry, I was going to say these are legitimate legitimate ways to. Yes. No. No. This isn't actually naughty. I mean, this is just if you know how it works, this is what you can do. So I know that I need to get cavity wall insulation and loft insulation. I don't. You know. When you get this installed, your installer will probably recommend, for example, if you have a solid wall property, because it's all working at lower temperatures, you get external wall insulation. First thing, <clears throat> you want to get your RHI based on that before you do any works. So all I'm looking for is this, my EPC, not to say cavity or loft insulation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then get my RHI calculated on this and then do the other works after. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> if you have loft insulation, so if I were to put loft insulation on my roof now, I would probably put what 200 mil. It doesn't hit building rates, so I'm gonna die again with coughing. No way, so so 150 <laughs> 200 would then not have loft insulation as a recommended measure on your EPC if you get to that level. So, but all you actually need to do is just take it. Just, you just need to remove it, right? So you just need enough loft insulation for it to not, not to be a recommendation, recommendation yeah. which is about 100 mil. Because it's not going to recommend Something like that. I think it depends on depends roof space in relation to, to but, the absolute... But what you're trying to do is maximise heat demand yeah. um, in your property. and mm -hmm. um, Therefore, basically get your RHI based on that EPC. Sorry, Harry, how, how I was just going to say in terms of take-up over time... You showed us that graph, or did you have a graph? Sorry. I don't have a graph. I did. I've got it in front of me. Uh, so what's the what's the take up been of, of each? Which which one have gone down or up over time? 
So biomass um, was getting more popular for a while until about uh, 2015. It's kind of levelled out now. So and that's because there was a massive drop in the RHI tariff. Right, exactly. At that time. Um, so for so biomass. people for are biomass. kind of consistent with that. The, um, in terms of ground source heat pumps and solar thermal, that's kind of uptake has gone up slightly over time, kind of consistently. The big one is air source heat pumps. Um, the uh, the curve on that is massive. Loads of people are taking that up more and more um, every year. It's now way outstripping the others in terms of, of um, how many people are getting air source heat pumps. Mm. So I should maybe not be so rude about them. No, you can still be rude about them. That's fine. fine. <laughs> okay. Um, but that, that is the RHI in a nutshell. And we had, um, I was just going to say, we had a, a gentleman email us in earlier this week or last week, and uh, he's um, looking to kind of do a significant piece of work somewhere in, 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 a, in a rural part of the world, and he doesn't necessarily... He wasn't very happy with some of our uh, options that we gave in our electricity uh, podcast, right. electric heating podcast. Um, and, you know, he's kind of set down going the ESOS heat pump route. So I'm hoping that, you know, what we've said there is is given him enough food for thought. Yes. It's, I did, listen, electric, electric heating, just because the cost of electricity is about three or four times out of gas, anything that requires electricity to run is going to be more expensive than it gas boiler the obviously if you've got something that's sort of 400 percent efficient mm. i.e one unit of electricity four you four units of useful heat like a ground source heat pump so i'd say yeah if, if the gentleman if has the money up front to gas boiler he should go the ground source heat pump route for the efficiency yeah. rather than the air source I yeah. think that guy said that he was going to go with an air source heat pump, um, and he said that if he had the money, he would have gone with a solar option as well for the electricity for the um, air source heat pump. Um, but yeah, I think again, the initial outlay was Again, you have a small, is, yeah. small issue in that I use my heating in the winter when solar PV, if you look at solar PV, so I the solar that produces electricity, and you look at the generation graph, during the winter it just falls off a cliff. It's still, I mean, it still works. It works on daylight as opposed to... Where, where, yeah. where it's going to make sli- slight sense is where if we go to full um, time of use tariffs yeah. with a lot of storage capability in each house, mm-hmm. then what you could always do, and, and with amazing insulation in the property. Yeah. So this particular individual has, got, say, gone out to work for, for the rest of the day during the day when demand for electricity for domestic use is low and mm-hmm. so hopefully you see the price drop. That's when... You heat the property and you store it within the fabric, yeah. and then you come home and it's nice and warm. Then it sort of begins to work a bit better than I'd say the the kind of the solar PV option. It does, and I, I think this is all good and well for new properties, but in the UK we have really old buildings, right? This is the issue. So all of our buildings are really really old, and therefore these solutions and talking about things like time of use tariff, they just don't work. Mm. If, if that house was retrofitted with loads of insulation to an inch of its life and brought up to a kind of modern day standards, 100% I'm kind of completely buy into that. Mm-hmm. But at the moment, we've got 8 million, 9 million properties, solid wall properties that don't have any insulation on the walls. And so you'll see massive heat loss. And it's just because we have really old housing stock. Yes. Um, so it becomes a challenge. It does become a challenge. But um, I suppose, as we mentioned again, it's through regulation, people will be eventually forced yeah. to take take it up. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. The easiest way, I suppose, is on, on, on new builds. 
It, it is, it, it, but it's still, I question that they're going to ban gas boilers. However, we're going to have loads of gas power stations that are producing electricity from gas. Yes. That are then used as So you're unhappy about that principle, yeah, I can understand. But that's just a hang-up that I have, and I will repeat many times, I'm sure, over the coming um, months. In the news, well, so would you say... Um, would you say then the biggest criticism of the whole RHI is it's effectively it's a subsidy for the people with you know a bit of disposable income? In yeah, the because if you so and it's I think when, so we spoke to DEC before they changed names, so the the department and government that were in mm-hmm. charge of all this sort of thing, and they <clears throat> it was really interesting speaking to the fellow who came up with the RHI because his brief was to encourage uptake of renewable energy sources it wasn't to help those in kind of fuel poverty it was literally you need to hit a number as in you need this many people to uptake to install these technologies and so the easiest way there is to target people who have money because mm-hmm. if they can get money back and they've got a more efficient system then they're going to do it yeah so it doesn't help it doesn't help people who are in fuel poverty or any of that sort but of stuff. i was just going to question do they amend it to for social housing landlords? Yeah, there's, there's a whole kind of different set of rules about um, social housing and stuff. We'll put, put a link to, um, okay. to an article about that because it's slightly different. But a bit, he was embarrassed. The fellow who said this. He up, should be. Uh, it's embarrassing. Him, but he was, yeah. he was embarrassed about how this was set up. And, and he, he just basically, but it fulfilled everything it needed to fulfill. It fulfilled his brief. It just didn't do anything... And it's just important to say as well, so on the biomass, because the uptake was so phenomenal at the beginning, it actually, the, the, the combustion of pellets releases 6, 6% more, more CO2 emissions than, than gas. But they absorb it, but, right? But so it's neutral, yeah. Grows, yeah. Carbon neutral. I understand, yep. Um, but it's, I agree. But it's, at that point in time, yeah, yeah, yeah. when it's releasing, it's more... It's carbon neutral, however, you've got to transport the pellets from wherever they're made to the place they're being burnt. Yeah. So it's not as carbon neutral as, as potentially. And the, uh, the with the pellets, um, the, the the nice pellets, the good ones that don't release as, as much um, rubbish, um, are more expensive yeah. than the kind of just wood chippy ones, which are about half the cost. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, you know. So all in all, I get a feeling in this room that the RHI doesn't really tick a huge number of boxes for us in terms of what it's trying to achieve. So I was just going to say, what we've we've spent, so most of this podcast has been on domestic RHI, so yes. important to have it because we won't spend too much time on commercial, but it's just important thing to say, commercial has its own rules and regulations. And just a, just a couple of facts before we um, wrap it up. So instead of seven-year payments, uh, companies can claim 20-year payments. Yeah. And... What the evidence has shown so far, the biggest uptake of that has been um, biomass. Yeah. Again, which I guess is kind of those um, farms, I suppose. Yeah. So we've got rural businesses, which at those point. And then may you know, make they, sense. they were paid. I won't go to it. A pheno- phenomenal amount, yeah. For, they were paid a phenomenal yeah. amount, and they were encouraged to just. If the more they run their heating systems, the more they got paid. Oh, that was in Northern Ireland. That was really bad. So they so they didn't. Could. Yeah, they didn't make any adjustments. Um, For digression. To, yeah, they didn't have the digression, which is the, the the adjustments to the to the rates. And basically, the cost of the fuel 
um, was less than, the, basically they were getting paid for leaving their heating on. Yes. So you'd have all the windows open and the heating on all night, but nobody in there. Yeah. And people made a massive amount of money. It cost the Northern Ireland governments, uh, they think it was about 700 million pounds, um, which obviously now is getting paid by the good people <laughs> yes. who did not benefit at all. Yes. And actually some people are still getting these crazy rates and still profiting from it yeah, um, because it was contracted. For yeah. 20 years or yeah. seven years you know it's um a tricky 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 situation anyway uh, just, have we got any news this week? just one thing one thing that stood out uh i guess is all over the energy news but um so sainsbury's energies is stopping taking new customers on yeah. its energy tariffs and all those customers are being moved to british gas but with sainsbury's energy tariff not just a british gas I, th I think so. There was, it was a white label of. So all they've done is remove the. Sainsbury's brand. Oh, fine. Okay. Come so on, it's a uh, it's a marketing <laughs> marketing switch. Fine. Okay. Concentrate on what you know. I think yeah. that's what Sainsbury's message is. Anyway, um, guys, anything else from anyone? Anything? I think. Um, I think that's it. That's it. Yeah. So hopefully that has explained the RHI in in a bit of detail. I apologise because it was a bit numbery. It was always going to be. Um, so I'm sorry for that. Uh, if you want to hear, I'm just going to really quickly remind you, if you want to listen to our podcast, you can go to Spotify, you can go to TuneIn Radio, mm -hmm. you can go to uh, Apple Podcast, you can go to Stitcher, all the best ways to go to our website, and that has all the links there. There's a button at the top that says podcast. Or if you want to watch us, you can go to YouTube. And that is it from me. See you soon. Cheers. Bye.